Hello and welcome to Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast. I am your co-host Neve, and I'm joined by my other co-host Connor. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, today we are talking about well, what we are going to be watching next, I guess, is Revolutionary Girl Utna. So we we will um talk a little bit here in this like intro episode, but um we'll we'll get into it uh more in the next discussion episode. So like right up at the front here, just for people who are listening along, um, as always, this stuff is in the episode description, but here's kind of the way that we've mapped out the episodes. So um, for the most part, I'm trying to break uh, Utena up into the like sagas, um, but the first arc, the student council saga is 13 episodes. And, um, I kind of debated, I was thinking about trying to do it as one episode of, of the podcast, but decided, um, that might be just a little too much for us to tackle in one episode. Um, so we are breaking that into two. So student council saga part one, uh, which is episodes one through seven. Um, this, I kind of just arbitrarily broke it there. Uh, we'll be talking about on November 12th. Then the Student Council Saga Part 2, which is episodes 8 through 13, uh, November 26th. Um, Then episode 4 will be the Black Rose Saga, which covers uh, episodes 14 through 23 of the anime. That'll be December 10th. Um, And then the Akio Otori Saga, uh, which is episodes 24 through 33, will be December 24th, Christmas Eve. The episode will go out, so... um, Merry Christmas if you celebrate, I guess. <laughs> Make sure um, you uh, carve out a sufficient amount of time away from your family. Um, yeah, you're going to need like at least three or four hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so. And then we, we will finish up the anime with the Apocalypse Saga, which is episodes 34 through 39 on January 7th, uh, 2022. Um, and then after that, we are also going to watch the movie Adolescence of Utena. Uh, that will be the episode will be January 21st, 2022. Um, and then the question bucket will be February 4th, 2022. So yeah, kind I, of, kind of weird. I mean, we are recording this in the middle of August um, because of the like offset recording that we do. So it's very bizarre doing this and being like, wow, we will be doing the question bucket for this February 4th of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it is maybe like, a little bit ambitious to assume that the world is still going to be here uh, in February of 2022 for us to like release an episode into. Um, Yeah. I mean, who knows? Uh, Well, hopefully we'll at least be able to talk about the apocalypse saga before the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll be able to talk about it. I, I I think there's a high chance of that. Um, I hope, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, January 2022. Um, you know, just it's got I got a bad feeling about it. Um, um I <laughs> hope, I <laughs> hope that it is okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm choosing to be optimistic so that I can listen I'm, to this in January of 2022 and be like, hey, I'm actually it's we're doing great. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna assume that that COVID is still a thing happening to some degree. I'm For just sure. gonna assume that, but sure. ho- hopefully it will be like I don't know. This is January seventh. It'll be after like Christmas and everything. We'll we'll, pro- we'll probably be fucked then. 
everyone's <laughs> going to get sick again. They're going to travel and see their family. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> do, do we want to start just went, with like all the our... way down, all the way yeah. back up, and then all the way back down again in terms of like? Do we want to talk our about our experiences stuff? with with Utena? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about our experiences with Utena, um, of which for me there are many. <laughs> Um, and since there are so many, I, I think I'll just, I'll let you go first. I, I want you to just go first here. What's your experience with Utena? <laughs> uh, my, <laughs> uh, my experience with Utena is I just started watching it, uh, this week, um, because we're doing a podcast on it. <laughs> um, but, uh, being serious though, um, this like those of you who have been listening to Ghost Divers for a while, um, have probably caught like bits and pieces of us discussing, like planning to talk about Utena and discussing it. Um, this is something I've been really, uh, eagerly anticipating, uh, for a long time, just because of like some of the stuff that I've like caught via osmosis from you. Um, about the series, uh, just like bits and pieces, um, have, have gotten me really engaged. Uh, and so I've been really wanting to do this. Um, and so much so in fact that I've been doing the thing that like, I don't often do, which is I've just like refused to allow like any Utena content into my life before now. Um, so, uh, because I just, you know, don't want any spoilers or anything, um, I wanted to preserve it all for this podcast. Um, so here we are, uh, just started watching it this week. Um, I am, I'm, I'm happy that we're watching it now. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, as you know, it is a very, um, boring, normal street. Um, series so yeah. there's just really not a whole lot to talk about yeah um it's so normal that like i'm still kind of trying to gather my thoughts about it um because uh yeah you have no notes at all for this you're just like why are we watching this yeah uh, yeah there's there's like no gender happening there's no like weird use of uh like visual and narrativism occurring uh it's not engaging with any previous art forms um it's not like doing unusual things with just the the way that like the narrative seems to work or like the the world seems to work there's Um, no unorthodox like narrative decisions yeah the world is very straightforward like the exposition is is very uh you know standard um and, uh, you know, all, all of that is just so overwhelming um, that I just, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of trying to gather my thoughts. Um, uh, obviously, I'm being ironic. Um, the point I'm trying to make is that, like, there's a whole lot going on. Um, and, yeah, I'm still just kind of, like, soaking it in. Um, interested to see where we go from here. Um, but, uh, yeah, really, really enjoying it so far. Yeah. Um, so 
for me, I so I watched all of Utana um like at some point I I think this may have been in like undergrad or or maybe like shortly after like it it may have been um I had a year between undergrad and grad school so it may have been like that year that I had off um I don't remember exactly um but when I had kind of first saw it and heard about it, it was actually in high school um and so like for the like Utena occupies a weird space in in my brain because back then um I think if people are like online online right now it is like impossible to escape Utena as like a thing that especially probably like lesbians on Twitter that you follow are tweeting about periodically like they're just like retweeting images or whatever um the the cultural understanding of utana right now uh, uh like in this present moment is that it is like the lesbian anime um that understanding was like n- did not exist when i was in high school although there was still a certain in, in this way of like saying um like I'm a friend of Dorothy. <laughs> there was a certain like if someone was really into Tenna and you were queer, that kind of like let you know that person was maybe safe. Um although not necessarily because there were like back then very strong like straight defenders for the the series. In the same way that when we talked about Ray Earth, we kind of like poked fun at like the straight assertion of like, no, all these characters are straight um you yeah. know that's a hard uh, life <laughs> yeah to, to be one of those people <laughs> um and some of that comes down to the way that a lot of stuff was translated and localized and marketed in the west um and so a lot of the like like marketing and like you know materials that would be on dvds and stuff for utena like really emphasized uh the like utena toga relationship in particular um and downplayed the utena anthe relationship which i feel like if you're like you know online right now is probably what you always see when it comes to utena um and if you watched the show there's a certain amount to which like I am watching the current translation, like localization that exists on Funimation um, as we're watching through this. And I don't know how much that's been updated from like the DVDs that my wife, Emily, when we met in high school had. Um, But I feel like I know that I watched through uh, all the student council saga and at least part of the Black Rose saga, if not all of the Black Rose saga, I kind of like, I don't know where her DVDs left off because again, back then you had to like buy them piecemeal and they were like way too fucking much money for a DVD. Um, even back then. And, uh, but yeah, so there, there was this certain amount of like, I think even the way that it was localized was probably downplaying stuff that like, you know, we will get into there in the first seven episodes that we watch, there's a relationship that, in the like localization that I watch now, it's like impossible not to say, Oh, like she's gay. <laughs> One of the characters is gay or like was attracted to a, another uh, mm-hmm. girl. Um, and there's stuff in it that we'll talk about, like even in these first seven episodes where 
you can see how it would be very easy to like lean towards a certain reading of like some of what Utena is saying, even in the the like currently existing localization, um, and like lean into that even further to be like, oh yeah, like you know, mild spoilers for Utena, but it's like whoever wins duels gets the Rose Bride. And so like Utena is engaged to the Rose Bride, but like there are ways that you can read that as like, Oh, it's not like actually lesbian. Um, and so that was kind of dominant in this way that um, still when people were really into it, especially um, it was a marker, like Emily having the DVDs and having like the manga um, and it being like, like her saying like, this is my favorite anime back then. Um, those were things that like, to me also signaled like, okay, there's some like acceptability of queerness happening here. Um, and so I I think it's important to like talk about, like, we knew that it was queer back then. And yet it was a, it was a much harder battle, I think. Um, and it was still factoring into these things that we talked about with Ray Earth of like, um, the things that have to be like unspoken, even though I think the series is a whole is going to challenge that far more explicitly than I think Ray Earth did. Um, even though, you know, we talk about it with Ray Earth. Um, yeah. So that's kind I of mean, like some of my, my history with it. Just after like seven episodes, uh, I am, I'm very surprised by how Frank, like the series is, um, around like around around sexuality and around queerness um to me at least and and maybe this is because we just like went through rare earth and had the discussion that we had um but to me it really stands out um just how frank a lot of the discussion like the dialogue in Utena is um and then also just like the themes uh and what is being conveyed um yeah and 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 obviously that's complicated in various ways that maybe we'll talk about (laughs) in our first discussion episode yeah um but that also kind of ties into to like you know i i planned out sort of this arc where we we started with 08th MS team is like let's do a short Gundam series um where I can really just let Connor talk about first Gundam but then also be like introducing Connor to like one of the first Gundam shows that I saw um then let's talk about like Evangelion really Evangelion was like the big beast that we wanted to tackle early on um <laughs> yeah. and I feel like we just wanted to have some grounding of like Gundam before we got there um you were pushing harder for first Gundam but I was just like great Gundam project exists we can't have our third series be all of first Gundam yeah no <laughs> no, no no we have um, to it's... like finish our we have to complete our like soul bonding over like battling about Evangelion before we get to first Gundam yeah um but and so like Evangelion especially like if I'm talking about I have this project of like I want to look at old anime and also think about like how did this factor into stuff around queerness when I was um younger as well Ava is a big one both is just like it's massive prominence for anime in the 90s and the like early aughts 
and also be <clears throat> because of its like um you know the the shinji koru thing being this like queer element um then i wanted to talk about ray earth really because ray earth is coming before you know not first gundam but like all of the series that we've watched so far ray earth is the oldest one and clamp is a is a very significant um like their manga is very significant for like early queer representation in a lot of manga and anime i think um both because of their like high prominence and then the way that they they dealt with these themes and again dealt with these themes in the way that you know we talked about with like hikaru where it's kind of this like it's often about these girls who can kind of just be free with their love for anyone and in that way they can like talk about potential queer things without having to like fully talk about it um but that was still like an awareness like the the queer themes the queer readings of clamp were were a big thing back then um even as a lot of people tried to assert straight readings um and had a lot of like grounding especially back then to try and assert those in ways that i think in retrospect are more laughable but like at the time were, were harder to counteract Udina comes along and is like queer in this way that like especially if you watch through all the series is kind of hard to ignore um it, it is one where the queer reading i think comes more readily and the straight reading involves more work um than something like ray earth and so it is this like i think important piece as a big series that it is talking about a thing a lot of things that honestly um magical girl anime in general kind of talks about but but it is a series that is um at once like really foregrounding the queerness um which like sailor moon also gets to with you know not the localizations that we got but like there are queer characters in sailor moon as well um and so really like utana is also drawing very heavily on sailor moon and and part of the reason why i just didn't do that one is one it's like less immediately significant to me than ray earth um and two it's just a lot longer of a series it, it would be a much bigger task for us to tackle and especially for us to get to like the queer content that i would want to talk about <laughs> um but it, it's important to note that the director for utena um so often known as Ikuni is like the the shortened version, um, but it's Ikuhara Kunihiko. Um, he worked on Sailor Moon. Um, he's done like a lot of anime, like a lot of his anime, I would say, has a preoccupation with queerness in general and also um, like lesbian relationships, like Yuri stuff. We've talked about possibly during uh, Yuri Kuma Arashi, the like Yuri anime about uh, a bear attack <laughs> it's like somewhat inspired by a bear a historical bear attack in japan um that's directed by him um i've also talked about doing sarin's on my on this podcast at some point that's a another like very queer anime that uh has been very recent and was directed by him um and utena is like the one that that really um I think rises to to prominence early on and also had and i don't entirely Tyler, remember the connection. There's a connection that also goes to um, uh, Evangelion. I think I think it was one of the writers, actually. Yeah, I think it was um, Inokido Yoji, uh, who is a screenwriter and novelist, and wrote for Sailor Moon, Eva, um, like 
Furikuri after Utena um, has done for like a lot of anime, but um, yeah, there's a a nice portfolio there. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, And so like that, that was one of the things that was interesting to me about um, Utena. It's a thing that we've kind of talked about sometimes when we've talked about um, uh, Madoka Magica as well, which is that like this anime at the time was the, the Madoka Magica thing where like sometimes people will talk about it and be like, Oh, this is the, this is the one good shoujo because it's doing these like interesting things. And it was sort of associated with Evangelion in this way. Whereas if you were more of a fan of the shoujo genre, you'd be like, it's doing interesting things, but also like it isn't inventing this stuff whole cloth. It, yeah. you know, it's playing with a genre form and it's doing some interesting things with that genre form and it's doing interesting things with animation and like the way that it's structuring the storytelling. Um, it, this is a, a show that I think has a, a very shoestring budget and you can feel that. And yet they are doing some really interesting stuff with low budget animation. Um, so, um, but yeah, so it, it is the show that, um, I think occupied this like really significant position um, back in the day. And then also like, I think has just risen as like, again, it's the lesbian anime now in, in a way. Um, and so I think it, it's help Like it's interesting for us to go to this, to look at this and especially for us to have the grounding of, um, I wanted to watch Ray Earth before we watch this, because I want to help assert that like, this isn't doing all the stuff completely from scratch and it is also building on the work that i think things like ray earth did to like open up this space to tell queer stories in the first place um so that, that was like kind of a long ramble but i don't know if you have any <laughs> no, it was, thoughts it was on good it. um yeah no i think that's a great starting point um and uh in our discussion episode i i think that'll be a good place to start um it's kind of picking up where Ray Earth left off um, because Utena seems to um, it's, it's not a one-to-one um, it's not as though Ray Earth is like handing off the relay baton uh, and Utena is taking it and just like continuing to run the same race. Um, yeah. But it's kind of like Ray Earth builds this framework and puts all of these pieces in place, and Utena immediately just, like, as, like, an opening salvo, just, like, flips a bunch of these pieces around and starts yeah. playing with them. <laughs> and it's like, um, okay, yeah, like, this is what we're starting from. We're just going to, like, critically engage with this and, like, a few other things, and that's our starting point. Um, and then we'll see how these, like, um inversions and like transpositions and like blending some of these like themes uh how that plays out yeah um i also want to say if anyone is i i think utana is the kind of series where we might get people listening to it who didn't listen to ray earth if you're listening to this go listen to the ray earth episodes and watch that show i i think it'll still be um helpful and and interesting and that Really, those Ray Earth episodes is where I was, like, first putting a lot of the grounding 
that I kind of hinted at in some of the previous series that we talked about. But like here, let me like actually get um, like Jose Esteban Munez out here. One of the like key queer thinkers that I use to talk about like queer futurity and utopia. Um, And let me like really start making a case for like, what is the value of this stuff that um, in retrospect in like current modern framings that are very focused on this idea of representation can be like labeled queer, uh, queer baiting, but how is that stuff actually um, creating very interesting and meaningful spaces that especially at the time that it was being released were like really, really powerful and important. Um, And I think for me, there's still resonance in something like um, Ray Earth and also like Utena that I don't always get with stuff that is like doing the representation correctly, but not in an interesting way in a lot of modern media today. Um, in this way that like <laughs> to to be somewhat like um Are you gonna just are you gonna take a shot at Disney again? No, I wasn't gonna <laughs> fully take a shot at Disney, but uh, I, I was actually gonna kind of do a shot at like I, I think there's a certain amount within the queer community um today of looking at stuff that I actually view as kind of tokenism as being like good. Like, oh, they're doing the rep- representation well. They're like doing this really good queer story where no one gets hurt or, you know, like the yeah. the the lesbians don't die at the end and so it's not the trope of the dead lesbians, which like, yes, it when that's every single story that that conveys a message about like your ability to continue to live and grow old as a a queer person. And so like, we shouldn't just have stories that are about tragic lesbian relationships. And yet also there are tragic lesbian relationships in the real world. And sometimes those things can still speak to, um, like speak to something genuine. And so, um, yeah, some of this is like, I think there are sometimes this tendency of being like, Oh, they, they quote unquote, like, like there is no bad quote unquote representation of like stuff that would be problematic that would, um, I'm doing like a lot of heavy scare quotes here, but like that would, um, you know, would maybe give the wrong idea of queerness to like straight people. Um, and sometimes I think the things that are messier are often more interestingly engaged with like actual problems that queer people still engage with to like today, like within their lives and how do I exist in like straight space and like, what are the compromises that I have to make in like myself and my queerness in order to like continue to exist and survive. Um, and those are like really important stories that often, especially when are told by, by queer people um, in like, smaller indie media um and that don't like fully nail the correct representation um end up getting like people showering like you know really heavy like abusive criticism sometimes Mm -hmm. where it's just like um to this degree where it's just like this person is trying to tell a genuine story about like themselves and that's not always going to be like perfect representation it is sometimes going to be messy because like our lives are messy um at the same time, I push back against some of the, like, let queers be messy that can, like, lean into um, enabling, like, abusive or or um, harmful or, yeah. Um, so it, it is, like, a sticky territory, but um, it, it is one where, um, you know, <laughs> I 
I've been on the record as like, I actually sometimes get annoyed with like very, very, when people like watch Evangelion and they're like, oh, Shinji is a trans girl because I'm like, I don't really think that the show supports that. And I also like, I feel like Anna's worldview is such where like that becomes hard for me to read. We've talked about this with like how I think there's a certain gender essentialism in at least um, like I have still haven't gotten through all the rebuild when we're recording this, but um, at least in like the other Ava stuff, um, which we can disagree on, Connor. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but that's, like that's okay. I know, I know you, I, it might surprise yeah. you, but I'm I'm aware that you feel this way. <laughs> but like Evangelion is a series for me that is very very clearly about gender to trauma, mm-hmm. and yet. There is a tendency, I think, within a, like certain trans spaces to look at that, to look at anything that is depicting gender trauma and say, ah, I also went through gender trauma. And what happened to me is that, like, I figured out that I was a trans woman. And so this must be about a trans woman. And it's like, actually, lots of people, you know, this is the thing we said during those episodes, lots of people are fucked up about gender. And a thing can be really heavily dealing with yeah. gender trauma and does not necessarily have to be your specific, like, trans experience. Um, and in fact, sometimes allowing the messiness of, like, actually Shinji, who, you know, I would say most textually is supported as, like, uh, a bisexual cis boy mm-hmm. in the show. Um, the, like, a bisexual cis person can also go through gender trauma in a way that you can relate to as a trans person like as a trans woman and actually seeing that commonality, I think is more valuable than trying to claim everyone as like part of your, your group. Um, being able to widen that group to like a broader sense of, of queerness and shared experiences of like, um, you know, gender and trauma and like working through how do I exist within this like society that is not built for me is actually far more meaningful for like building queer utopian spaces than being like, ah, I'm going to read this character as a trans girl. (laughs) Um, Complete rant on Ava here, but (laughs) no, that's okay. Um, I, you know how much I love rants on Ava as one who is prone to them. Um, in, in recorded podcasts. Um, yeah, I think I have two thoughts and I'll preface them by saying like, you know, neither one is really, um, it, it, it's not really my place to say. Um, but I think just like observing and like this dynamic, um, the first one I would say has to do with the comments that you were making earlier. Um, and it touches on like our final discussion of Ray Earth. Um, I think that being able to like imagine that imaginative and creative activity that you're talking about, where it's this kind of idealized, um, like painless, um, you know, fully satisfying representation of queerness. Um, I think that's obviously important for a number of reasons. Um, but at the same time, like, there is a way in which um, abstracting that representation from like all of this negativity um, and all of these problems um, 
I think has a distorting effect um, that can it, it raises questions for like what does that representation mean um, if like the world that you're creating is like has to be abstracted in this way um, and is like distorted in this way um, what does that mean like for this representation what the possi- and the possibilities that it is like um, potentially or supposedly like allowing um, and then um, the well uh, the second thought I lost it so <laughs> um, maybe I'll remember it later I don't know um, but uh, yeah it was uh, it was swirling around in my brain with all of the Ava stuff um, and uh, it just got uh, it turned into suit yeah I think um, that the final thing I wanted to like quick touch on before we wrap up this intro episode um, is to I think we'll talk about this some as we go on but I, I kind of want to highlight the animation a little bit more here um, just because like you know I do ornate stairwells a, a podcast about like film eroticism um, and like the erotics and aesthetics of cinema um, and that is a podcast where it's very easy to for like me to watch a film and to really just think about like the images and the sounds and the visuals and like what is the aesthetic experience that I'm happening uh, I'm having and I still have aesthetic experiences when I'm watching anime and yet the long form of a series um for me like front loads things like character and narrative more than a movie does um when something is like an hour and a half or two hours uh there is still sometimes narrative there and that narrative can can be interesting and yet that narrative often has to play with a certain degree of um like brevity and abstraction um even if it's trying to be very like literal um you just have to hit points far quicker and often like gesture at things rather than like really have full you know and there are exceptions to this but i i think like as a form film for me is just so much easier for me to like watch a film talk about the aesthetic experience i had with it um then with anime where it's like okay i can't just like keep talking about the aesthetic experience i'm having with like utena i have to like there's narrative happening there are characters happening and i'm like continuing to be engaged with this because of like narrative and characters um and i think you are also a person who's like far more drawn to like narrative interpretations of things um you can correct me if i'm wrong there but (laughs) um um yeah i think for me again this is a thing that i that we talked about uh, in our last like rare earth discussion, but um, for me, I just like to do deep readings. Um, mm-hmm. And but I would also say that I think your deep reading often comes like your backing is more directly in like literary criticism. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I, th- I think I, that gears a little bit more towards 
even in doing deep readings of doing deep readings that are talking about how is stuff working within like a, a narrative mode. Yeah. And I try to like aesthetics are a big part of that and like formal devices and how things are put together um, is like, obviously uh, like inseparable um, in my eyes from like reading a, a narrative. Um, Cause all, all like all of those things together are yeah. uh, working or conveying something. Um, but yeah, I think most of my like, you know, theoretical apparatus, like <laughs> quote, quote unquote, um, is is drawn from like that literary uh, theory uh, toolbox. Yeah, which I don't think is a, a bad thing. And I think like a thing that I have noticed now that I regularly podcast with you and then I regularly podcast with Autumn is like, you know, we had the question bucket where we talked about a brighter summer day um, back in the, like, Ava question bucket. Uh-huh. And I just feel like if Autumn and I had watched that movie, like, you were talking about, like, okay, here's the the plot and what's happening in, like, the, the plot. And also with, like, just, you know, the plot being a thing that involves, like, the visuals and the the sounds and, like, the these more aesthetic things. But, like, yeah. we were was talking like, here's more... Like, here's my four main theses <laughs> around, like, yeah. the, the beginning of a discussion of what's going on in this movie. Um, and that was around, like... That was more around, like, narrative and how that's tying into, like, history and everything like that. Yeah. And I feel like if I... And at some point, we might do that on stairwells. If I watch that movie with Autumn, we are probably going to spend a lot more time than than you and I did. Like, even when I just talked about it as, like, I'm going to review the stairwells in this movie. I talked a lot about, like, what's the aesthetics of this movie? How is it, like, even just constructing shots? Um, how does that, like generate an experience of like the the joy of cinema for me um and those are like two different ways that i think i i engage with and think about media and with movies i tend more towards this like very formalist um and often formalism to not in the sense of like semiotics or like how are how are these things constructing like sometimes a thing that sometimes i find like uh, tedious with formalism is like let's break down all these formal elements to like derive like a, a very final like r- meaning that I can then convey to you in like writing and sometimes I think like there is an experiential nature to something that like in any attempt for me to to translate it over into like me speaking about it something will naturally be lost um, and that sometimes like there, there is a certain, uh, like, there's a certain mode to which I, what we're going to be talking about this episode would have been released a long time ago, but like, we're gonna be talking about Tokyo Drifter soon, which is a, a movie to me that I think, it's a great like, film. yeah, and, and a film that I think really intensely resists interpretation, and that is like, really just interested in playing with like forms and colors and sounds um, for like the pure aesthetic joy of playing with, with those things and not to like construct meaning out of them, but rather just to like, isn't it great to just like create a shot that looks like this? (laughs) Um, And I think I, I sometimes engage with stuff a little bit more that way than, than I think, you do or that you want that you often wanted to like critically discuss stuff that way um 
So all of this is to say, <laughs> there are parts where I'm just watching um, Utena where I'm just like, like there's an ornate stairwell in Utena. We we see it a lot. We see oh, it yeah. what like it at least is it like three or four times? Four times I think in the seven the first seven episodes that you've watched. Yeah. Um, yeah. We will continue to see that shot. <laughs> um that like that sequence um and it's just like incredible it's just like i i don't take notes during that section i just like <laughs> i a few times as a joke just wrote there's an ornate stairwell and then utena draws a sword from her girlfriend's tits like repeatedly in my notes just because i think it's funny to write that down but like that uh-huh. that, sec- <laughs> that sequence happens repeatedly in this series um and for me it's just like exciting like it's well animated and it's interesting and like the the compositions are just exciting um and again this is a the duels in this series i think are some of the most well animated parts of it um the ones that are like especially i think that people would look at and be like oh they're like doing um more like fluid movement and things because a lot of this is really playing with um how familiar are you with the the films of Lada Reiniger? Uh, somewhat. I think the um, the big one is. I, I know her style. It's, is, is yeah, it's like Prince I mean. Ahmed. Um, so she does these. I watched a lot of these or uh, of her like uh, shadow puppet films in particular. Um, when I was a kid, because whenever I would go over to my Oma and Opa's, they just had like VHSs of a you know her different like shadow puppet animations um and i would just watch them and they were like mostly silent films um and it's like silhouette like paper cut silhouettes um so it's like black on white um and it's just these like really intricately cut sheets of paper that are are being animated and moved around um and i think this like there are sections in utena that i think are actually like very directly referencing well, that are, are clearly doing that like shadow play thing mm-hmm. with like paper cut animations. Um, it it is hand drawn animation, but but they are referencing shadows on a wall. Um, but I think it's also to some degree specifically pointing to her as like Prince Ahmed is believed to be the the first animated feature film. Um, and one of the things about her style was she would spend a lot of time creating these like very intricate paper cuts and yet a lot of it was actually very easy to animate because you are literally moving puppets around um rather than like some of the more painstaking animation styles like the actual like creation of scenes was sometimes easier for her and so i think there's a certain amount to which they're gesturing at like they are doing some interesting things like a lot of the the images are really like they're very interesting um, like ornate, intricate drawings that they'll have. There's a lot of like flower petals and things throughout this. Um, and so th- there is this certain like gesturing towards those forms. And this thing of like, like a shot that recurs that I, I think about a lot is the student council talking and mm-hmm. we see it like blurry and we see like the window frame. Like it's like looking from above through a window and then they're literally doing. So this is a thing that Lada Reininger did as well, which was like you have planes that you are doing the animation on. And so you have some stuff that's like literally further away from the camera than the other. And then you can do depth of focus stuff. Um, and they do this like depth of focus animation multiple times and that that shot with the looking through the like window frame is is one of the biggest ones that i think like 
most people may have noticed. Like, oh, it's like out of focus. Like the windows in focus, they're out of focus. And then the the fo- depth of field like and the focus changes. Now the student council is in focus and the window frame is out of focus. Um, and that's done by like literally having separate planes that they're putting the, the animation cells on um, that are like at different distances from the camera so that they can actually play with that stuff. Um, yeah. I, so, yeah. Well, well um, I don't want to, I don't want to get too far into it because I know this will be like probably one of our first discussion points in the next episode. Um, but one of the things that is really astonishing, um, or one of the most impressive, uh, impressive achievements of Utena, I think, is the fact that they have this limited budget. And yet, uh, even with this limited budget, they're able to create something that is so elegant and opulent um yeah and just like incredibly striking um in those respects um in in a way that's like palpable um yeah so uh yeah when we talk about the style um and the animation and and whatnot uh next time i think uh we can pick up on that yeah um, but unless we have anything else, we can we can just throw it out. We're excited. Let's throw. So, um, in terms of we're excited, there. So one one note here uh, as I'm recording this shortly before this episode goes out. Um, if people listen to ornate stairwells, you might be familiar with the fact that um, I there's been like a series of illnesses uh, with my toddler. And then of course uh, my wife and I catch it as part of that. Um, and so we are a little bit behind on recording of Utena, which is fine. I'm, I'm kind of trying to build this out so that um, I have more wiggle room for recording and releasing stuff. Um, but what it does mean is that so far we've only watched um, and recorded through the student council saga um, I've actually watched, or not the Student Council saga, the um, the Black Rose saga. Um, I have watched beyond that, uh, but Connor has not. Um, and also, I'm still kind of working through and formulating. Um, I, I really want to get to like the Apocalypse saga before I, I really solidify in on if there's any specific um, work cited that I'm going to bring. Um, so we don't have a, a ton yet. I'm pretty sure I'm probably going to bring, um, Munoz again. Um, so the cruising utopia, um, my guess is I'll, I'll probably tie some of that in cause this is a series dealing with queerness, but I don't have a specific chapter yet. Um, and then the one thing that Connor has called out so far is, uh, Mircea Eliad, the myth of the eternal return. Um, he specifically said he uses the translation by Willard Trask. Um, so that that's been cited so far in the, the recordings that we've done. Um, and since he hasn't watched beyond the black Rose saga, um, Connor has like no idea what else he might, um, you know, cite. So my guess is, um, if there are more works cited, I'm going to go in and like edit the episode description here. So if people are, are watching 
along in the future. They're not like listening to it immediately as we're going. Hopefully if you downloaded the um, episode or like redownload it, you'll be able to, to find if there's an updated work cited. So I will try and keep that up to date. Um, the other thing for those of you ho- who are um, listening along as we are doing the podcast, um, if we do have a work cited, I'm going to have us just record a little bit when we record the episode where we cite that work. And then I will tag it in somewhere at the, like my guess is I'll probably do it um, somewhere during the plugs for the, um, you know, whichever the next episode that's going to release. So I'm just going to go in and edit the episode and kind of toss in. Here's another work that we cited um, just to give people a little bit of heads up to, um, you know, read along if they want. Some of this is also a symptom of the fact that this is the longest, um, like, run of episodes that for, for any show that we've had so far. But, um, yeah, so this is what we have in terms of, of work cited. Um, really, it's just that one Eliade. And even that um, kind of kind of references broadly. But I, I do think there's some interesting stuff in there that um, if you're really trying to think about the series might be useful. Um, and then, of course, Cruising Utopia is kind of just a text that I return to a lot when I'm thinking about queer theory. Um, so, you know, I know in the discussion so far, I've kind of pulled from queer theory, which includes that um, just in terms of like the the way that I'm thinking about things. But um, yeah, my guess is I might have a more specific chapter later on, um, but that entire book's worth reading. So anyway, I'm going to get back to what we recorded earlier. Okay. It'll get put in here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so otherwise, join us next time for episodes one through seven of uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena. We will be, again, this is the, the first half, roughly, of the Student Council saga. Um, if you want to write in questions to the podcast, you can write in to ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. Um, thank you to the Export Audio Network for supporting us. You can go to exportaud.io to get to the Patreon. Um, if you do become a patron of the Patreon, you can get episodes of my other podcast, Ornate Stairwells, um, a week early. We don't do that with Ghost Divers for multiple reasons, among we're them a being... Bit, we're more egalitarian <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the main thing is just the way that I edit this, and then... Um, especially the way that the question buckets work. Um, I've thought about like, there's a way that it could maybe work doing episodes a, a like week early, but also I kind of like it being a thing where it's like, it can also just be a, everyone who listens can, can like do it as a watch along club thing if they really wanted to. I don't yeah, think anyone it's... really does this, but it, it's there. It's, <laughs> it's for a, everyone. It's the nature of it. It's yeah. for everyone. But Hey, Go to the Patreon, become a patron of Export Audio. Um, just, just do it because it's great. You know, don't make yeah. us, you know, turn Ghost Divers into like Patreon exclusive for you to finally <laughs> be incentivized to do it. Just, just do it now. Just go, um, you know, like whatever you can give. You know, ninety percent of your savings, ninety five. Um, it's all, you know, however much. Um, it, it's literally just a dollar to to get yeah. access to most of the episodes. If you do five dollars, you get Godzilla's Not Dead, and I think there's, I think, so they 
when we're recording this, they like literally just started Bag End Book Club where they're reading through Tolkien's Legendarium. Um, and I think if they do stuff that's like not the actual books, like if they watch a movie or something, that will also be for $5 patrons. But, um, but anyway, if you aren't a patron and you do want to still listen to Ornate Stairwells, you can go to exportodio slash Ornate Stairwells. Um, also, if you want to share this with like this podcast with someone, you can tell them exportodio slash Ghost Divers. That, that will get them the RSS link. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Ghost Divers Pod. Um, you can follow me at Fox Mom Nia. Where can people follow you, Connor? Uh, y'all can follow me at Rebelays or A B B L E A I S. Some great content there. Uh, some Always. more great ta- content over at Garf Read Aloud on Twitter, where I read Garfield aloud into a camera. Um, it is as of this uh, time that Jimmy we were recording. Kimball's favorite podcast, <laughs> in case that's uh, yeah. a selling point. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, at the time that we were recording, I like didn't record it for basically a week. Cause I was incredibly, I wasn't incredibly sick for all of it, but I was very, very sick for the first day and then just kind of felt gross and didn't want to record anything for most of it. So anyway, um, we're going to wrap this up, uh, listen to, if you want content warnings for the show, uh, that'll be after the ending theme here. So Bye. See you in two weeks.
So in terms of content warning, um, there's honestly quite a bit for this series. Um, and I would also say that it, it kind of escalates as it goes on. So, um, you know, even if at the beginning you're, you're fine with it, uh, some stuff can get more intense as it progresses. So I think that's just something to be aware of. Um, I will say I'm going to go through kind of a list here, but um, Utena is a series where um, it has the popularity and the... the um, you know, kind of the the cachet and the the um, I think is also popular in circles where where stuff like content warnings is are really um, you know valued. Uh, so you can actually find um, extensive lists that go you know episode by episode, um, even. So if you just like Google content warnings for Utena, you will find um, some of these. Um, there, there's one in particular that's a Tumblr blog um, that's. Uh, you know, a complete triggers guide uh, for Revolutionary Girl Utena um, that I actually kind of referenced just to, to make sure I was kind of being as complete as I could for this. Um, but obviously that's like, we'll really break down episode by episode. So um, if there's anything in particular, um, you know, that I think that will really help you even know here are the, uh, the specific... Um, episodes where I might need to be more um, aware or, or careful. Um, but I'm going to run through some of this. So um, there's a lot of themes around sexuality in general. Um, also, this deals a lot with abusive relationships, which includes physical abuse, emotional abuse, um, sexual abuse, manipulation, um, grooming, um, and also includes some, some scenes of it, again, this sort of escalates, but um, does get into the territory of rape as well. Um, it also deals a lot with um, what might be termed as um, like societally unacceptable uh, sexualities. And, um, you know, we get into this in some of the, the discussions on the episodes of a lot of the series is talking about homosexuality. And uh, there are depictions of, of homophobia and like forced outings and things in this series. Um, but then also is dealing with things like incest and pedophilia. Um, we talk a little bit about how they kind of handle these things differently. They, they handle homosexuality differently than like incest and pedophilia, but these things are kind of being discussed, um, together in a way that, uh, I think could also be a little upsetting for people sometimes. Um, there are depictions of physical violence as uh, so one, there's a lot of people slapping each other, uh, but then there's obviously, uh, this is a show about duels. So there, there are these dual sequences that involve sword fighting, um, and often like swords being held to people's throats, um, which I know can, can be a, a triggering image for some people. Um, there is some stuff on here. Um, it's often in sort of the more funny gag episodes, um, but that could be playing into sort of these cartoonish racist stereotypes. Um, not quite to the extent of some of the stuff we talked about in Ray Earth, but it, it definitely comes up, um, especially like in an episode that that talks about curry. Um, that's the main one that I'm, I'm thinking of right now. Um, there's also depictions of depression and suicidality, as well as um, I remember at least one like very explicit um, depiction of someone attempting suicide. Um, and these are also themes that I'm obviously going to talk about um, as we, we get into that stuff. Um, some other stuff that comes up. Uh, so 
for one arc in particular, there's uh, this image that um, kind of ties into like Catholic confession or also um, what could be like very negative experiences with a therapist. Um, so that, that could also be an issue for some people. Um, then let me look, there's a, a few other things I have here. So some of the stuff, um, uh, there's like a few scenes in particular that tie into like arson and burning, including, um, people burning. Um, there's some stalking, um, depictions of car crashes, um, there's impalement, there's some stuff that would, would, um, be torture. Uh, there's also some stuff that deals with like unreality of being, um, uncertain of what's real and not real. Um, and, uh, also as always, um, this happens a fair amount with some, some animation. Um, but especially I think there later on there, there are some sequences that, um, do this more intensely than some of the earlier ones. Um, there are some stuff where there's like flashing lights, um, flashing between colors. Um, and again, if you, if you are someone who, uh, that could trigger like a seizure or something, um, I would especially call out, like, look and see if there, there are guides. I'm sure, um, you know, there's one that I found, but I'm sure there might even be more, um, to really see the ones, you know, they'll call out specific episodes where, um, it gets particularly egregious. So, um, yeah, the, those are the main content warnings I have here. And then again, um, if you really want to, to dive in more, you can find a more complete listing that goes episode by episode. Um, they're definitely out there. Um, I referenced one, but hopefully, uh, this prepares people, um, who, who might want these content warnings. Um, yeah. We can do. Okay. I don't know if we want to do a time dot is clap or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like now, or if we want to goof around a little bit. We um, have two things to record tonight. So. Yeah, uh, I think I'm. I think I'm good. Um, I did figure out though. Uh. What did you figure out? <laughs> um, so I figured out uh, my next Jimmy Kimmel bit because um, mm. I plan these like several in advance at this point. Um, so the next one, and this is the one like I, I actually I'm telling you because I need you for it. Um, so the next one is like wait, it was a bit. <laughs> well. You know, me talking about it was a bit like Jimmy calling me. That just happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was a bit that you planned with Jimmy. No, no, Jimmy just like normally oh. I would just normally I would just mute it and then just keep recording. That's what I normally do when he calls me when we're recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but the bit was like I like talked to him. I picked. I answered his call while we were recording. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the next one is uh, maybe not, probably not for like uh, Utena, but um, or maybe for like the one of the later episodes or something. Um, but what we'll do is we start out and we're like, yay, welcome to Ghost Divers. Like, I'm Neve, this is Connor. And like, today we're joined by a very, very special guest host, Jimmy Kimmel. And then you just cut to like 
audio of when your cat is like scratching at the door, like <laughs> frantically trying to get in. Yeah. And then like then we just keep going. So we're like, yeah, like, hey, welcome, Jimmy. Thanks for joining us. And then it just cuts to, like, your cat yeah, scratching against the closet door. Okay. <laughs> that's that's my, my next Jimmy bit, I think. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm glad you like it. I'm going to pretend that you like it. Um... So, we want to do the time dot is clap. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, I'm closing okay. a few documents or a few web pages quick. Okay. Um, I don't know. What about like 39? Okay. Do you feel good about that one? I felt good about mine, but I didn't hear your clap at all, to be honest. I didn't hear yours either, but I think depending on <laughs> Discord settings, sometimes it, like I think it has a thing that can remove clap sounds from okay. like what you're hearing. Yeah. Um, like it, it cancels like Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um And then I so next is like not this next time we're recording is not this weekend, right? Correct. I got briefly yeah. confused by my Google calendar, but um, I just need to go off the potential recording schedule or whatever uh, spreadsheet that we have. Yeah. Um, so I'm gone all this weekend, but then I will be. Um, okay. I will be around uh, next weekend, obviously, if you want to record that. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was this weekend or, or like the weekend that just happened or the next one, but. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow, and then I'm going to be gone, and I won't be back until like Sunday. Okay. Um. Well, shall we? Shall we do this intro episode? <clears throat> I think so. I think I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, let me get this like cough out of my throat and drink no some problem. water. Yeah, I might as well open this beer. Probably won't start drinking it until the first discussion episode, but uh, all right, just in case I, I need it. Um, okay, go ahead.